Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast, once again powered by our partners at Code Sports. On with me to talk all things round 23, it is Pistol. My man, how you going there, champion? I'm excited for, you know, the, I guess, end of the season. <laughs> uh, excited just... for the end of the season. It's dragging on for you, is it? Look, it is, and it has been, but more more so that from a football perspective, the last two weeks are pretty much like every... There's so many teams that can make finals. It's basically like finals, atmosphere. Every game is like an eight-point swing. It's it's huge. So that's what's what's really exciting. Supercoach is somewhat less exciting, but but uh, I guess still exciting for those that are uh, in their finals. I can't say I'm in too many of them. Yeah. Speaking of eight-point games, you're going to see one this weekend in the... Uh the, the Bombers and the Giants, mate. I'm glad you're watching it because I'm going to be behind the couch with my hands over my eyes. <laughs> no, it should be should be a lot of fun. Chizo, how did you go last week? That, mate, no, 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 no. Let's not breeze past this. I, I want to know, I want everyone to know the connections that my boy Pistol has in the AFL world. None. Just can't, can't announce it on the podcast, that's for sure. All right. He's got secret inside free tickets, which is pretty cool. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> I went I went okay, Pistol. Uh, not nothing great, but I'm not falling off the face of the earth like I thought I would. Twenty two sixty eight, um, which wasn't fantastic. Obviously, I had a round rank in the the thirty thousands, but I'm down to thirteen thirty five. So the 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 dream of a, a top one k finish again is sort of fading as these premium injuries are starting to mount. But there's no donuts quite yet, Pistol. Um, I've only got this week and next week to get through without having a donut, so we'll see how we go with that. How did you go? <laughs> uh, around the same. I have 23-17. Uh, funnily enough, Chiso, I went up in rank 37 spots. My team continues to be the barometer for my rank. Um, Bro, just... how are you going up in ranks six weeks after you run out of trades? You're, you were losing ground while you were making trades, I, and I you're slowly know. like 20 at a time going upwards. Uh, it's Yeah, it's... Quite bizarre. I have barely moved. I, I've complained about it for most of the week. Since like round six, I've changed like 600 spots. It's just my team just doesn't move. I'm in the same rank for the entire season. I f- thought I'd just fade away by now, given I'm holding Walsh and holding Dacos um, and have terrible cover. Like I've got Marek on field yeah. this week. I, I figured I, and, and I don't have Sicily or Petrarca or Oliver, which did help me. Um, I don't have the top end premiums and I don't have cover and I didn't have 23 premiums and I'm not falling in rank yet, which touch wood, yeah. I can just chill um, for the next two weeks at this exact same rank. I, I, at this stage, I'd take a 2K finish. Um, but yeah, if I slip past 3K, I mean, I was expecting that for the whole second half of the season. But um yeah, bit of a, a nothing season for me, unfortunately, but I'm glad that you're uh, on the cusp of uh, the top top 1K and hopefully you can get there. <laughs> it's not going to happen, mate. Like, I'll put it into perspective for you. So started the year in 64,000 after round one. By round 10, I made my first appearance in the top 2K at 1,042. And so since round 10, which is like multiple months ago, I've gone from... 1042 to 1335. Like I've literally you want to you want to talk about like in that time my highest rank highest rank was 1547 and my lowest rank was 844. Like that's a really narrow slice of the supercoach rankings to be in there for multiple months and not go up or down. Yeah. I, this is what happens, right? It's it's hard to make grounds when I guess Everyone has one more trades, and two, I guess DPP causes people to have very similar teams, uh, which is something I have complained about in the past. I'm going to try and keep my complaints to a minimum, but it does mean that <laughs> the rank rises do become more difficult, and you really need to, you know, nail those rookies, make more cash, have the 23 premiums, those sorts of points of differences um, to be able to move up. And it's not really, you know, the random. POD player, it's more you get all of the good players and you don't miss any of them and then you move up in rank and that's your POD that you didn't miss any of them where other people have missed one or two um, and you gain on the, you gain generally on people um, you know, through that or the extra premiums or extra cash. Those are, yeah. those are the main ways. Otherwise, you just sit at your rank and you stay there for the whole season and that's the game. Stalling is the way that I like to describe it. There we go. That's the season in a nutshell. Thanks for thanks for coming to my TED talk, <laughs> uh, mate. We do have a couple of donations to go through on the cancer council side of things. We got two from Butler. Uh, Butler donating twelve dollars to match the extra donation. The dirty schnite says made above and beyond our bet. 
So I, Butler's ego was hurt there, and thanks for that, Dirty, for <laughs> Thank convincing you, him Butler. to do that. That's very nice of you. Um, and then Butler, this is something we talked about a few weeks ago, Pistol, is the optimizer, you know, pay-to-win scenario. He had three donuts saved by having access to the optimizer. So he's donated for the three moral donuts that uh, he, he would have got had, <laughs> had he not had access to the special button because he pays for it. That's very funny. And uh, appreciate that's a clever mm. way for, for doing a donation as well. So uh, donate yeah. for moral donuts should be the tagline for next season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even when we don't go get any donuts, we go, oh, this guy, like Matty Roberts last week, ah, oh, he came back and we didn't get a donut. But morally, we should yeah. donate. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. That's hilarious. Good job, Butler. And, and the last donation we have here, Pistol, this was a hot topic within Slack. This was very contentious. Um, there was a few bets placed on whether Ken Hinckley would keep his job for 2024 and beyond. And on the line was a $100 cancer cancel bet. And Damien on a, the uh, the losing side bet with JB that Ken Hinckley wouldn't sign. Damn, Koshy and Port, well played and money to a great cause. And taking medicine and jumping into slack and being like, boys, put my hand up. I guess wrong. And donating and, like, uh, some people don't have the uh, the inner wisdom to just be like, ah, you know, stuff happens, let's let's all move on. And I, I, I think it's a good pat on the back for um, Damien, Damien to jump back into Slack and, and make that donation. It was uh, a long time coming, I think, after 10 wins in a row. Absolutely. It was, uh, I think, um, you know, anyone who, who pays up their bets, no matter – how ridiculous they may seem at the point in time. Sorry, Damien. I think they'd won like six or seven in a row when that bet was made. So yeah. it was a little bizarre. But appreciate paying up, as you said, all for a fantastic cause to the Cancer Council. So I know they appreciate it. So um, please feel free to make as many more bets as you like, especially ones uh, <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> It's actually a good thing that um, JB won that bet because he's notoriously for uh, for just letting it slide and forgetting no, that he had a, a bet placed from six months ago. No, don't do JB like just, that on the podcast. Just just checking if he's listening because he, he doesn't. <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> that part might be true. At least so, someone said something <laughs> truthful. <laughs> uh, we're into the last four in the Dr. Supercoach Cup. Um, very, very tight. So we've got... Uh, Tim and Denny, they're 121st versus 21st overall in the in one of the prelims, and we've got three. Uh, Jimmy is 333 overall, overall, and Ron, I want to say, is 240 something. So you got to be inside the top 350 ranked overall to to be in the final four of the cup, which just shows this how competitive yep. it is. Uh, yeah, this year. Um, and Pistol, we're down to the last 15 in the last coach standing, which has been going the entire season. And uh, we'll lose 10 more coaches this week. It is the hardest week of the whole season. And uh, you don't need to be in the top 350 to make it. There is someone that is ranked uh, 2600th that has survived all the cutting. I mean, look, everyone else is around in the top 500, but he has survived being ranked 2600 every week. So it just goes to show um, it's 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 about consistency. No, it's not me. It's about consistency. It sounds like you're ranked. It's not far from it, but yeah, it's about consistency <laughs> rather than volatility of the the side, and you can still still win this major competition, which would be awesome. Yeah, 
What other housekeeping? Oh, housekeeping. Pistol, I just want to let everyone know that's been playing along at home. I'm still locked out of Supercoach website on my uh, my desktop. Don't know what's going on there. I've cleared cookies. I've downloaded a brand new browser to try and get in there and find it. So I'm, I'm actually checking it on my phone as we uh, we do the podcast these days, uh, which is a little bit of fun. Uh, but Pistol, uh, I uh, I just wanted to have a whinge because I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, we will get into some Supercoach. So <laughs> hey, this is the first time we've made it to 10 minutes doing housekeeping, and I want to say at least 18 months. Um, we are going to get into some <laughs> super coach topics now. Yep. Pistol, it would be a little bit um, silly to be going through each scenario in terms of would we trade this guy, would we trade that guy in. The fact of the matter is, is only about 6 or 7% of the top 10K at the moment that have, um, have got uh, made a trade this week so far, so there's probably a few more with them up their sleeves. But I thought it would be a little bit more appropriate um, if we just went through the the most commonly traded in players in the top 10K and Let's just uh, give our thoughts a little bit here. So number one, uh, straight off the bat here, Pistol, the, the most traded in player of the top 5K is Clayton Oliver. Obviously, he's got incredible history of scoring. He was fan- fantastic in the, the, the opening couple of months of the year. He's the number one trading option, and I said that to you pre-podcast, and you balked at that idea. Yeah, I think he'll get the Finn McGuinness tag. Um, he yep. is the type of player that would usually cop the Finn McGuinness tag. I know he said that last week about Liberatore, and Finn McGuinness did go straight to Liberatore until he got KO'd. Um, look, the difference, I think, is Clayton Oliver... Should still score decently. Like I'm not. He won't. I don't think he'll go like a big 120, but he can still get in the the pepper the hundred mark, even with a tight tag, just because of I guess his um accumulating nature. But you just need to think if that's going to be potentially knocking you out of your preliminary finals. It's it's not a really high upside pick this week. It might be for the following week. So yes, I guess overall gameplay, two week play, that might be. Fine, but if you are in finals, I would not trade Liber to Oliver just in case there's a, a exceptional fin tag. And Oliver hasn't played footy in a while, and that might be really rough. So it would be a, an avoid for me, I think. What about you? Um, look, I, I'm definitely along the same lines, and I'm also interested to see um, Petrarca's, uh, like, sorry, Oliver's impact on Petrarca. Um, obviously over the last couple of weeks, Petrarca has been playing a little bit more forward, but he's also, he started in the midfield on the weekend. Um, if Oliver is getting off, uh, getting, sorry, getting the tag, you'd think that Petrarca would get a little bit more freedom, but we've seen in the past, or at least the start of the season, Petrarca's scoring is capped a little bit more when, when Oliver's in there as well. So, um, I think there might be some coaches chasing the points last week in terms of the the 128 that he scores against the Blues. And I think I agree that he's going to get the tag. Uh, but I also think that getting on Petrarca might also be a little bit of a trap as well, even though he's not getting the tag. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you there, Chiso. Um, can we at least point out that uh, I, we were 50-50 right? Can we can we have a, uh, an even, a stalemate handshake agreement that... You said that Liver was going to get the tag by Finn McGuinness, and I said he was going to go to um, a half back. 
And once Liver got KO'd, then he did go to a halfback instead of Bont. So we're sort of like, <laughs> let's say 60-40 your way. Well, that's that's a very generous split to you. Uh, I think maybe we can <laughs> oh, go Okay, okay I'll make it 50-50. We'll go 90-10, I think, might be. Uh, no, whoa, 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 I was the 60. Oh, come on, get off it, cheese. You only no got way. tagged for one quarter. I got three quarters correct. <laughs> I was being generous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's uh, definitely... Not fair. I, I don't think the ruling would go in your favour if we were to take this further. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, <laughs> that was uh, the mo- and the most common trade in for the the top five k as well is Liver to Clayton Oliver as well. So um, that that's the the direct one. Uh, interestingly, only two of the top ten trades um, most traded in the top five is uh, Liber, and the other eight are Dacos. So obviously, a few coaches still trading. Uh, Dacos out of the top five, which probably explains the next most common trade in at number two is Dan Houston Pistol. He's had a phenomenal season up until this point. What are your thoughts on him as the the the, the most frequently traded in defender? I mean, I think he's a great pick. I, I don't know if I would say he's my number one option, but yep. if he's not number one, he's number two. Oh, actually, that's not true. Yeah. I, he's in the top three. <laughs> I think there's yeah, a, yeah. a fair case. I'm sure we'll talk about them because I'm sure they're in the other top ten. I, I don't know. But it, between Newman, Sicily, and Houston, they're all really good picks. And Houston's yeah. scoring um, in the latter half of this year has been unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost like JB called it six years ago and then the only time it's relevant is when we can't trade him in because we've got no trades. Thanks for that, JB. Um, but third on the list is probably nice someone you want to – Third on the list of most commonly traded in is another Dacos move. It's Nick Newman. He was your call last week as uh, someone that we should be looking to get in as well, and he went bang. And if we're looking at the top three five-round averages for defensive eligible players, it's Houston, Newman, and Sicily in that order. Yeah. I mean, he lived up to all of my expectations. He just has the old-school Doherty role. You know, he's T. Yep. Is the commander down back? They want the ball in his hands. His good kick, long kick, all the super coach points uh, is, you know, that that role commands a lot of points. I don't know where I was going with that sentence, getting a bit tired. But the Newman role is one I expect to stay for the the next two weeks as well. So I would be totally comfortable trading him in. I think like Houston probably has a higher ceiling, um, or definitely has a higher ceiling because we've seen that this year. So I totally understand why you pick him. I probably it's it's close. I probably would. I feel like Newman's got a higher floor in this role. Um, in the last six weeks, he's had a low of ninety two and then five tons with the next lowest one hundred six. I feel like you'll probably that's what you're going to get a low of one hundred six over the next two. Um, whereas Houston has put out some you know stinky seventies and sixties, but he's also had a ceiling of you know a one seventy and. Anything can happen in those last two weeks. He's got two decent fixtures. So, yeah, it's just about, I guess, what position you're in in overall and what position you're in in the ladder is which which one of those two you're going to take. But I don't think you'll regret either one. Yeah. The the only thing that – well, they've both got great um, fixtures. Houston has Frio and I've just forgotten who the other one is. Richmond. Frio and Richmond. Um, and Newman has Gold Coast and GWS. So they're, they're both reasonably placed in terms of fixture runs. I guess Nick Newman's a little bit more role dependent. So there is like that outside chance that 
someone comes back and influences that, but it's it's a really slim chance, I think. Um, and they're both equally placed in terms of teams uh, percent uh, picked in, so that they're both at about five percent. So um, there's not one that's going to be significantly more of a POD in yeah. the grand final or anything like that either. So I like that as well, Pistol. I, I, I think that's a good call. Um, the fourth most traded in player of the top 5% is LDU. And this was uh, JB actually put him up as a, a VC option the other week and he went bang to uh, to pretty much back him in and say, thanks for that, JB, you called me. <laughs> there we go. Another positive thing about JB. It's great. Um, yep. Look, LDU has an unreal fixture this week. He's in fantastic form. I would back him in for a big score this week against Richmond. Um, we know uh, he is one of the only big point scorers in his side, and I have no reason to expect that not to continue. The only bad thing I could possibly say about LDU at this stage is that next week against Gold Coast, we just saw uh, Tuke Miller run with Goulden in a really, really tight checking tag. He followed him all the way to the bench at times in that first half, and I would be a little bit concerned that maybe LDU gets a, a took tag treatment. That was a, a triple T. Um, and that might, I guess, cause me some concern. But at the end of the day, he's in the in his current form, he's almost untaggable. Like he's just, yeah, a fantastic pick with a really high ceiling, with a high floor. Um, I, I think this is uh, potentially my uh, midfielder of choice this week, I think, Chizo. Midfielder of choice, you reckon? Well, just I guess if my um, alternatives are, are Oliver and Petraka, I think I'm take picking LDU. Um, no, I was just uh, I was stalling until I could look up whether he got the Finn McGuinness tag in round 18, which he did not, um, because he has an average of 121.1 since his return from injury, which is literally the LDU that we were all predicting in the the preseason, but for all the injuries and etc. that. Um, he has been knocked around by. So he, he's literally had one sub-ton since he's come back from injury and has been phenomenal. So um, I actually really like him. I, I, yeah, T- Took is going to like give him a little bit of attention, but I think um, I'm less concerned about him getting attention from Took as like someone like a Goulden, like a, a, a hyper-damaging yeah. player. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure that they're, they're going to be as worrisome um, I mean, like they're also playing against the Swans for a, a, a shot at making it close to finals as well. So yeah. they were throwing everything they could against the, the Swans damaging players. Um, yeah, so I, I absolutely love the idea of LDU if you do have a, a trade like that too. Okay. Next, Pistol is Sicily. I think that sort of um, Sicily naturally sits third behind Houston and, and Newman in terms of these trades. So... There's not a whole lot that we need to say uh, unless you strongly disagree with him being an option on the way home. No, I think he's a great option. I I don't even know if I would say obviously the third. I think it's just really tight. I mean, in the last four weeks, he's had a 166 and a 171. So it's hard to, you know, he's got Melbourne this week, which I think will be a good matchup for him. Um just in terms of like the ball being down there, as long as they don't put any attention on him, um, probably a good matchup if he's involved around Grundy. It seems like that's a high potentially scoring game. And then Fremantle, mm. which is, I mean, that was his 
worst game of the whole year. I think he scored, he scored second worst game. He scored 63 against them earlier this year, but this time it's at the MCG. Hawthorne are in much better form. Um, and as with Sicily, he can, on his day, he could score massive. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think there's definitely a conversation we had about all three of them, but I, I probably do have him just third, only just. Um, yeah. But yep. I wouldn't talk anyone out of it. Let's put it that way. No hindsight bias because he absolutely ruined your captaincy one week. But um, we'll move on to number six in the list, which is Zach. Just a little drive by. Zach Butters, number six, obviously has been phenomenal this year. We went into the season like tossing and turning between him and Rosie, and I think comfortably um, he's had the more explosive year. He seems to be the first option with forward eligibility that people are looking at, and he's probably still going to be. Um, placed in the midfield if I had to guess in terms of a Libba or a Dacos removal his last three games 134 137 139 and now he plays Fremantle and Richmond I mean two really good fixtures I know I said LDU is my midfielder of choice, which is true since Butters is my forward of choice, but Butters can play in the midfield. <laughs> you didn't consider Butters, did you? You're, you're trying <laughs> to save I your forgot, skin now. forgot about it. Um, but Butters, <laughs> Butters is, is probably my, my player of choice. I mean, you, you get an injury risk anytime he goes near the ball, given how hard he attacks the footy, but he, yeah. he wants to win the Brownlow. Like, he's going... Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today be trying to get three vote performances in the next two weeks i mean everyone wants to win the brownlow but butters could potentially do it i guess if he pulls six and uh we'll see what happens with bot but um yeah i i think he's a great he's in great form he's a great pick he's fun to watch he's got great fixtures there's not much not to like there chizo yeah and and just to kind of reiterate i think we were not necessarily singing praises of going rosy over butters but by round seven Rosie, uh, sorry, Butters was still only averaging 96 and he's currently coming into this week's game with 111 average, which is phenomenal for those that either picked him up on the run um, or started him. Like he's shown full faith and become the player that we always had anticipated that he would um, become, which is, you know, if you've got him or you're looking at getting him, obviously a good option. Uh, Number seven here, Pistol, we now get into the rucks. It's Luke Jackson. Uh, 50 trades of the top 5K this week. Um, are we still comfortable that Jackson is like one of the, the better options? Like um, 
Uh, I know that he's still playing that number one ruck role, but I, I just thought that people were getting a little ahead of themselves if they were thinking that the 170s would continue. But going <laughs> 173 and 124, like I'm working hard to try and find some negatives here, mate, because a lot of these guys are absolute top-notch options. Yeah, no, look, Luke Jackson has a great fixture this week as well against Port Adelaide with their ruck woes. So I would expect him to have another big game. But look, last yep. week we said was it was a better pick because you get to play West Coast and then you get to play Port. So you get two really good games before you come up um, against big Ned Reeves, which I expect will be a tougher, uh, more restrictive matchup for Jackson. Um, so mm. he's not my number one forward option, probably number two, but I still think he's a good option. Out, across these two weeks, you're probably still getting you know, a, a one fifteen odd average. So I think um, he's still he's still a, a top pick this week. Yeah, uh, my only concern is that Hawthorne are, have been a little bit restrictive over the course of the year for rucks here and there. So there's that to consider in in round twenty four. Um, uh, but again, not not hugely important. Uh, as we get into the bottom of the top ten here, Pistol, we'll go through a little bit quicker. We've got Luke Ryan at number eight. Uh, I think he's followed just outside the top ten by Sinclair. Uh, both of those guys are perfectly fine in terms of defensive options if you're unable to afford the uh, the likes of Sicily at 650 or Newman and Houston around the 600K. They're fine. I just, I mean, I guess, you, as you said, you'd only be doing it because you can't afford the, the better options. Correct, yep. Um, so, yeah, nothing, nothing really more to add. Yep. Uh, and just to round out the top 10, we've got two mid-500K midfielders in Tom Green and Darcy Parrish, two injury-affected season primos for us. For me personally this year, Pistol, is both Green and, and Parrish. And, uh, look, I was planning on picking up Parrish after he came back from his injury because I, I did expect he was going to have a fine into the year. Um, not like anything massive, but... Uh, just that that threat of injury lying over, like hanging over his head, is what scared me away. He doesn't really look like at the moment being like a, a one fifty ceiling guy. Kind of just looks like a consistent nah. one fifteen sort of player. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Is it? Do you think there's a reason, or it's just the way your midfield is now spread um, down at the Dons? Yes. They just have more options than they did before. Yeah. I absolutely think some of the younger guys like Hobbsy and Caldwell are um, expanding a little bit more. Like we've seen, I think, let's say it was 2021, if I remember correctly, where he was hitting those 150 pluses and getting the Anzac Day medal and this and that medal and whatever. Um, Whereas this year, he's got a 124, a a bunch in the teens and low tons, a 131, 126, and a 122. He just doesn't have that ceiling like um, this year, like we've seen in previous years. And with that injury history on top, like if you're if you've got enough cash to go a little bit higher than Parish is is probably what I'd be trying to get to if I could. As much as I love the guy and want him to have my babies, I'm just not I'm not sure if I'd be bringing him back in again. Yeah, like I I'm not sure that he's a better pick than someone similarly priced like Newman. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I de- exactly. Definitely would prefer Butters. Not even close. So. Yeah, I, I feel like similarly, um, Tom Green, I, I, I probably rate Tom Green a little bit higher than Parrish um, just because of the form GWS are in and the form that he personally is in. You know, some really big scores in a row now for, for Tom Green. Um, yeah. But they, they do feel like not on the same tier as some of the other options that we've spoken about already. Yeah. 
Pistol, I'm gonna. That's rounding out the top ten of the uh, the the most commonly traded in premiums for the injured guys of the top ten k coaches. I'm gonna let you have a little think here for a second. Um, as someone that wasn't in the top ten that you think it's worth considering, I'm gonna throw one back at you, and uh, so just give you some thinking time. Last three uh, three weeks, he's got a three round average of 126. He's reasonably cheap. He's cheaper than Tom Green. He's te- cheaper than Darcy Parrish. He's cheaper than Sinclair. Maybe a little bit of love for uh, Matty Crouch. Pistol. <laughs> try and trying to get himself form. traded to. He's trying to get. Look, has he been in form? He's been averaging 50 touches in the Sandful. Um, and they finally unleashed him on the AFL, and he's just doing normal. Matty Crouch things. Let's let's say you don't have you're, you're scraping to try and find an option. He could be someone to consider. Very Jeez, risky though. I, mean, I, I like him outside the top ten. That is far from the worst call I've heard. They've got Sydney and West, West Coast, Coast to finish. He could go big. West Coast, especially in the last rounds, in a game that is a you know a must win for them. Um, and yeah, he's a I piggy. Would... He's a piggy. He <laughs> could go one eighty. I mean, maybe not one eighty, but I I think there's. Very real chance that he, he puts out back-to-back 120s um, on the run home there. So, yeah, at his price, Chiso, that's, that's a, a good one by you. Mate, I, I got so close to doing the uh, the International Darts Championship. 180 at the top of my lungs in you. You're just lucky. I'm going to save that for when it happens. Maybe the season review. Do you have someone out of the top 10 most commonly trading players that you think is worth considering for guys out there? Yes. I do. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, who, yeah. who would it be? A little. Uh, I just needed to, a little bit of a build up. Um, I think, Matt, if you I gave you two minutes. I stalled. I stalled. <laughs> I was still looking. Um, but yeah, I think if you you want to, if you you're running much lower on cash, so mm-hmm. so let's say sub five hundred or trying to bank cash you want to do an upgrade i don't know what your situation is man but you just listen this is the sneaky one sub 500 Um, i gotcha Jaden short is playing back literally back and now dan rioli is missing so last week he took the majority of kickouts um for richmond which we know is yeah uh i guess a big deal he only played on from two of his four, but Saints barely missed. So there weren't many kickouts in total. There was only eight for the game. Um, he took half of them. I think if you're one, Jaden Short, who we've seen get, you know, 40 touches off halfback before. Two is playing North yeah. Melbourne, which is, you know, a fantastic matchup. Although I can't, I don't know if he's going to get more kick ins against North. Um, put out the, They're not the going to kick any week. shots at goal. Yeah, that is problematic. But. He's just got upside at that price that I don't think many other players have. Maybe one other that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, yep. Or, yeah. So I think I think he he would be my sneaky cheapo. And the uh, I'll just finish mm-hmm. off with the other sneaky cheapo under five hundred k down back. If you happen to have Dan Rioli, let's say just someone happens to have him and needs to trade him out. Um, Hayden Young. Chizo has been playing in the midfield. He had 81% CBAs last week. Looks really good. The last two weeks he's had really big CBA numbers and has gone 123 and 118. Um, yeah. That probably, he probably gets the gig for the next fortnight. Um, but that being said, 
he's versatile enough that he could be thrown around everywhere, so it's, it feels like a worse pick than short. Um, mm. But if you really want a, uh, I guess, uh, a moonshot, I think he's probably, you know, a guy that no one else is thinking of trading in this week. So you yep. could be on your own trading in and it, it might pay off. And if you're strapped for cash and looking for a defensive option, I like both of those, mate. They're probably the, the two best defenders under 500K for Finn that asked that question. Pistol, I've got one more little super coach topic that we're going to go through. So we had Steve Clark uh, comment in podcast questions on Slack that he kept your preseason ranking order for the mid-prices going into the, the, the preseason. And this was apparently, uh, this has been fact-checked apparently. Uh, number one, so we'll start for number one. We've got Hopper, Yo, Crozier, Jones, Bruin, Ash, Warple, Flanders, Stocker, Setterfield, Zebel, Bowes, Fife, and Clark. And you want to know the first thing I notice on that? There's like maybe one guy on that list that we would have been happy to own this season in Jay-Z. <laughs> and like, if we're contrasting 2023 to 2022, we're like, oh, it's the year of the mid-prices. The Guns and Rookies is dead. Mid-prices didn't do anything near a successful strategy this year, I don't think. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, the list is a great reminder. Really awful. Like, it's a really good reminder of just like how hit and miss mid-prices are. I mean, I look at that list yeah. and like maybe Hopper gets a pass, but we know he got injured at an awkward time. Um, Annoying time. Definitely Warple would get a pass, but you'd have to still hold him onto yep. him long and he was slow to make cash. I think Stocker, yep. who I did own, um, was a, a great pick, so that, that one's a tick. Um, Setterfield I started with and made lots of money if you started with him. Didn't make lots of money if you traded him in after his first price rise. He would have trapped a lot of people. Yeah, and then got injured and still hasn't returned. And Jay-Z, we know, was really good until he wasn't. So it's not pretty. Like we got from this entire list, you got zero keepers. Um, Yeah. It it really makes you think. Yeah, it makes you think about, you know, the previous year we were were like, well, all the mid-prices were awesome. Let's get them all. And this year we got a bunch of them and it was quite awful. Like it just... Yeah, didn't really work out. Um, the preseason predictions. I mean, I assume that was for the discussion topic rather than the order. I, I don't know exactly how close the season starting. This list was made in order, especially because I started Stocker and Setterfield, um, who are like in the bottom two thirds of this list. So, um, yeah, my opinion clearly changed closer to lockout on some of them, but um, I think the overarching theme is that it's really hard to predict mid-price of breakouts, like even in quotation marks, like the obvious ones aren't always (laughs) good and always obvious. And also there's clearly a lot more risk than we gave, uh, I guess, that we thought there would be in selecting them at the beginning of the season because most of us Mm. loaded up and they were all bad. But, geez, I'll put a little asterisk next to the conversation. Because if you remember at the beginning of the year, it wasn't entirely, well, it actually was, but I'll I'll come back to it. It wasn't entirely viable at round one to go full guns and rookies because there weren't enough rookies that were playing. So you had to split a premium into two mid-prices. So you kind of, you're forced to take two and hope that they weren't terrible. Um, 
And that's kind of where we were at, where we are just like, look, we can't quite get all of the premiums. I know we want to, but let's just drop off our least preferred one um, and then get mid prices to like to like fill it out. It ends up being okay if you end up starting people like Chandler and playing him on field and that worked out. But it's not something I would recommend. And even if I was like looking back in the season, I would never have done that. Like there's just no way I'd recommend to anyone to have started Chandler as your F6 and build your team around that. Um, yeah, correct. And I think it's a lesson learned. Like, oh, yeah, we should be putting rookies that we're not sure about their job security and scoring potential and be playing them all on field and everything will turn out all right. I don't know if that's the right lesson. Um, you can only play with, you know, the playing players are the name. So um, it's not a super straightforward comparison of like, were mid prices good or bad? I don't think you, it's the answer is not as well defined as you may think just by hearing the question or reading it on paper. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think when I the the second thing that I pick up when I'm looking at this list, the ones that you would call quote unquote successful were not necessarily the guys like Setterfield that were like averaging a hundred for a period of time. Warpool was like a best twenty two locked into that midfield type player and he's only averaging 90 91 at the end of round 22 so it hasn't been great but that return has given me like has been far and away better than a lot of this list the same sort of goes for Lockie Ash um, and Stocker in terms of having the job security not averaging the crazy numbers to um, to to like make a huge amount of cash but you're not forced to play that rookie on field like you're talking about. You're picking someone that has upside and job security rather than trying to, to like Jay-Z going from like 300K to 600K again um, like he did a couple of years previously. Like there's there's no one other than that that really stands out from this mid-pricer list that even borderline became capable at any stage during the season. Um, and... The ones that have failed that are on this list were the ones like Flanders who we were querying the job security. The same goes uh, for like Tanner Bruin. And then the injury histories to Yo, Fife, Clark, etc. proved to be exactly what we have always said that job security, uh, sorry, injury history is a thing that you need to take into consideration. It's, <laughs> sometimes you can, you can get a little bit too clever for yourself. And I was definitely like that in the preseason. Um, yeah, and this this is almost I don't want to say it's a definitive proof of anything because it's just all it is is a couple of data points. But I definitely think that I overcorrected based on last year, where I played a high amount of trades, but I played the the low amount of trades way. And then this season, I played very much like AFL fantasy and just said my trades are infinite, just bang, 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 and. All I did was trade from one problem to another problem with a, a, a bunch of these guys. So um, a few interesting takeaways there for me that hopefully having those two two years that are basically like polar opposites back-to-back in terms of our mid-prices with this new format that we have, um, I, I think is going to hold us in good stead for 2024. Yeah, I find that really interesting what you said, like the pro- more proven commodities – were the ones that seemingly were more successful. It wasn't the like young breakout players. 
Um, I guess Owens yeah. isn't on the list because we weren't thinking about him in the preseason, who, who was like a breakaway player that's done well, but he's fallen off lately anyway. Um, but it's the guys that were known commodities who had already previously scored well in the past, either who are mm. old and injury prone or young and, young and injury prone. Um, they were the guys that were more successful for the most part than the, the young and up and coming guys who nearly all flopped. Yeah. Um, but when I go through... I guess the risks associated with the mid prices, which was a big talking point in the preseason. It was like uh, all about your risk tolerance. If I go through them one by one, which I might just do for fun, Chizo, very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, do it. Nearly all of the the risks, I guess we'll say, came off in in the the worst way. Like they were risky and then flopped because of that specific risk that we knew about in advance. Hopper is injury prone and he got injured. Yo is injury prone and he got injured. Crazia had this these bad health risks and then also job security risks and then wasn't picked for round one. So that's problematic. Jones being old, not playing for multiple years, were worried about his scoring potential and or his injury risk and he was injured and scoring potential was problematic. Bruin were worried about him if he was going to be best 22 or not. And then, I mean, that was a risk and then he wasn't. Um, Ash probably gets a pass. Warple yep. will get a pass. Flanders were worried about his, his role in the side. His role in the side was bad, and then he was dropped. Um, Stocker was a pass. Setterfield, look, I'll probably give Setterfield a pass because we weren't picking because of injury risk. We are picking him because of his role, and it was worrying what role he'd have. But his role was good, so that he yeah. probably, probably gets a pass. I think that's an unlucky injury. Jay-Z, we, people didn't want to pick him um, because of injury risk, and he, he was suffering and became the sub, you know, being old man risk. Um, Bo's job security ends up being the issue, which is what we thought. Five injury risk, five got injured, and Clark. There was a mix between um, scoring potential and injury risk, and both of those were true. So, pretty much all of the times where we said like this is the risk, and you know you can take it or you can risk it. Nearly every time you risked it, you lost. Yeah, which is crazy. Like, just the complete opposite. Of the previous year, where pretty much more yep. you're rewarded for every. Everyone became keepers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally everyone became a keeper. It's uh, quite crazy, but it's it's a great, mm. like a super fantastic question that I really appreciate um, you asking, Steve, because it, it makes you think about it. We had the great discussion about it, and really highlights to me that you know when we when we we got to take it seriously when we say, look, like hey, like. We, I think we're very quick to be like, oh, it's it's an injury risk, but like he's going to go 90 and make 150K, so it's fine. And then they all got injured in like round five and six and didn't make 150K yeah. and it wasn't fine. <laughs> Isn't it funny that we put that um, PDF out in the preseason? It was like 10 pages on the different types of risks that you should take into consideration and all I did was load up on risk and blow my team to shreds. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's it's... It's very interesting, and uh, yeah. I will definitely be thinking about this when I'm choosing my team going into round one next year, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mate, the last talking topic that we do have here, it's just something that I want to, well, you wanted to make people aware of, is that VC loopholing this week is actually going to be quite difficult, and uh, that has taken... Um, it's in full show on JB's round 23 captaincy video over on YouTube uh, with a few questioning why uh, Laird was his preferred VC over the likes of Marshall. And it's literally because 
there's going to be coaches out there that just don't have a loopholing potential option because like Madden and stuff play way like play earlier than um, Marshall and English, so you can't even do the two rucks into each other. Or Laird. <laughs> can't even do him. Yeah. So the all pretty much my entire bench being um, you know like uh, Banks, Constable, Useless. Dacos, Walsh, Wardlaw, Roberts, Drury. Outside of Roberts, who plays on Saturday night, um, everybody plays in the first three games. So yep. I'm forced to pick my VC pretty much on the Friday night. Um, so I don't have any choices for my VC, which I only noticed tonight. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. And I think uh, it might catch some other people out that some VCs sound great this week and I'd love to do Laird or, or Royal Marshall, but I can't. So yep. there's that. Just wanted to make people aware. Yeah. And uh, if you were clever enough to get, uh, is it Dewa from West Coast Eagles as a, uh, a DPP forward and defensive option to use with Sheasel? Uh, like the clever coaches that we are, Pistol, uh, you do have a loopholing option. There we go. Awesome. Well, thanks uh, for having me this week, Chiso. <laughs> no worries, mate. Glad to have you on. The uh, penultimate episode is down for 2023. We've cracked through 300 total public episodes as well, and that's uh, about half as many DDDs as we've done over the years. Pistol, I think we're nearly nearing the four figures of those. Thanks to everyone that has listened. You can find us on all the socials. You know where to find us by now. We'll catch you all in the next episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. Podcast.